0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the TWC Stay Hated Podcast. On this episode, I get a chance to chat with my friend Connor Karwowski. Uh, he is a multiply powerlifter, a teacher, uh, retired hardcore kid, metal kid, came up in that scene, uh, started in single ply and got into multiply, has done vocals for some cool bands. Um, so we talk about a bunch of stuff. He is a huge believer in the conjugate system. Um, he has a little bit of a different way of looking at it. So that's one of the reasons why I ha- wanted to have him on the show and chat with how he came up with his blend of the conjugate system and where he thinks uh, people make mistakes and how he comes up with his training and stuff. Uh, kind of a nerdy episode at times. Uh, we do get into some topics relating, you know, punk rock and hardcore metal to uh, the powerlifting community. Uh, we talk about the USAPL and how much he dislikes it. Um, So it's a pretty interesting episode. Uh, I don't have much housekeeping stuff on this end. Uh, Just released some more shirts. Those are up in the store. And uh, the uh, American Multiply shirts in a couple different colors should be dropping soon. So uh, that's all I got. So here is episode 31, I believe, of the TWC Stay Hated podcast. Enjoy it. what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the TWC stay hated podcast on this episode i have a lifter teacher uh retired hardcore singer sort of dude you know master of many trades connor Karwowski. uh we're gonna get into a bunch of different subjects it'll be a good time so how are you doing today connor i'm doing great how about you chilling man i'm i'm training the best i can through all this uh we have a little home gym going on i just benched 500 raw into foam today so i'm stoked um how's shit with you are you able to train during all this looks like you're in a gym and everything
1: yeah uh so i've been incredibly fortunate to have had access pretty much the whole time uh to the gym that i'm at here in indianapolis uh west indy barbell so I mean it's it's been awesome. The only thing that sucks is I've I've had to essentially work alone, but like there are for sure worse things that could happen in life.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dude, well that's yeah, today I was like, you know, my wife is who's a badass lifter, but when it comes down to it, man, like if you're five foot flat and you're a chick, you're not gonna give me very good handouts <laughs> when we don't you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, just yeah. So so I feel your pain. Um so we met. Uh, what was that like? Two years ago, I was still at West Side. You came to visit. Was was it that long ago? It may have been. Yeah,
1: probably about uh, that, I think.
0: Yeah. So uh, you were like tall, skinny guy, and now you're like tall, beefy dude. Uh, and you had a qualifying total to go to semis for WPO, um, and and for whatever you know, your I think it was work or whatever, and you didn't end up doing it. Um, so. What has the transition been like? Because when we first met, I don't think you were fucking around with much equipment, and now you're full blown multiply. What, uh, you know, like how long have you been lifting, and when did you get into multiply? I mean,
1: so I started lifting when I was in eighth grade. Um, okay, and how old are you now? What was that? How old are you now? Uh, I'm 26. Like, I don't <laughs> had, to, had to think about it. All uh, right, so you
0: started, started lifting around 14. Yeah. And you know. then, and then, uh, and how did it progress from there?
1: Um, I mean, I, I essentially, I started, I went to a a health club in our, my, my hometown in Wisconsin with my dad, because he thought that if I was going to make the transition from playing soccer to football, I should put on a little more muscle. And I, I totally agree with him with that. Um, but looking back, I wanted nothing to do with the gym. Oh, he, <laughs> yeah, he, kind, of he kind of forced me into it and i thank him from with everything for that um, yeah yeah of course <laughs> but yes I, I i started with that uh, i started going through every single machine because he didn't really know much my dad's six foot hundred fifty pounds and he has been my whole life um, sure so I mean, he, he's not he's not a lifter he'll pick up some dumbbells and do some curls occasionally but that's about it um, so I essentially had to learn on my own and it went from that. And then he, he bought me some, some weights to put in our basement, a pair of 25s, a, a universal gym and whatnot. And I, I would spend three or four hours a day down there. Um, and I started doing that throughout high school. I stopped playing football. I I had, uh, torn my left deltoid partially my, my okay. sophomore year and, at that point, I had been playing sports since I was in kindergarten. I was just burnt out. It was year-round soccer. Year, every every sport you could think of, I, I had my hand in it at one point. Sure. Um, so I, I, I stopped playing sports altogether, and I took a year off from doing everything, and I got uh, pudgy. <laughs> uh, so again, my dad said, okay, well, if you're not going to do sports, you, you got to be healthy at least. Um, so he pushed me again, and I picked, picked the, the weights back up in the basement. And I started doing that again um and then that progressed going to a gym and that progressed even further when i got out of high school uh into college i started going to the college weight room there and then i met a few other guys who were into powerlifting that's essentially how how things took off how i got into powerlifting really um sure
0: did you uh did you compete raw like uh your first couple (laughs) meets or like how did you do all that because uh you know, like that's always like an interesting thing to me because like how people make the transition. Usually people do a couple raw meets, see somebody in a bench shirt, and they're like, ooh, I wanna do that. Uh what what was that like? Did you do a couple meets raw before you got into
1: equipment? Or was it kind of like were you drawn to it? Um, so I did a couple push-pull meets raw. And okay. I for whatever reason, it's kind of one of those things where if if you don't know what's happening, there's no real way for you to know about it. And those are really the only meets that I knew were available to me at the time. Um, sure. But even back then, I didn't want to compete at the USAPL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, we'll uh, get into
0: that. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so what was your
1: first? What was like? Uh, what was your first full power meet, and what were your numbers? Uh, so it was actually a single ply meet, and I squatted. The 755, uh seven fifty five. Uh I benched six hundred and then deadlifted six sixty six. At what body weight? That was two seventy five. Two seventy five.
0: And yeah. uh and then what are your best numbers that you've put together in Multiply?
1: Uh thousand five squat, a seven fifteen bench, I think. Um that's all, yeah, and then a six eighty five deadlift. Okay.
0: And so, that was at what, three oh eight? Yeah. 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 Um so that that kind of happened quick too cuz Cause, cause yeah. like all of a sudden I like you kind of you kind of fell out of my algorithm for a little bit. I didn't see your stuff and then all of a sudden you pop back up and you're like squatting a G and like handling mid high sevens off of boards and shit and I'm like god damn this dude got fucking strong in a hurry. Um it seems like you've you've really just gone head first into learning conjugate and putting out information about conjugate. One of the reasons why there are a couple of reasons I wanted to have you on the show, but one of the reasons why was I was talking to my wife about it and I'm like, when I look at your stuff, um, it seems like you've gone. And I mean, this in the most respectful way. uh, It seems that you've gone like the nerdier route with the programming, right? With the conjugate stuff. Whereas there's like the other route where it's like people go more, the vibe of like their idols are uh, Chuck V Louis uh you know like like sort of maniac sort of uh the the draws like the craziness right and then and then there goes the other way where it's like well this is a very complex method um and learning all the ers and ahs and all of the like little nuanced stuff so uh what what have you like you know what drives you towards that because it seems like you push like what conjugate is and what you do with your training it's very thought out you can tell so why did you go in that direction um i guess i guess what i'm saying is like what interests you so much because it's a very boring topic for most Mm -hmm. people but it seems that you've gotten into like the methodology of training um and what like what pushed you in that direction because you could just go like full psycho mode follow book of methods and call it a day yeah um but it seems that you've gone another route with that. So,
1: what's up with that? Are, are you coaching people, or is it just a curiosity thing, or how's that go? Um, so, I mean, it, it'll. This comes back to essentially the same answer as to how I got into gear. Um, so, I, I was obviously training raw for a very long time, and I, I was running a handful of programs. I just sort of bounced in between whatever sounded good at the time, whatever sounded like it was somewhat coherent. Um, And I, of course I did, I did the five, three ones. I did the Shaiko, I did, I found an old Cohen program that that was online and some forum. Um, and not so much with five, three, one, but with the other ones, I was just getting hurt or just completely run down the whole time. Um, so it got to a point where I needed to change at least one thing, but I chose to change a few things. And, And the first one was I, I changed my approach to training. I had to learn more because I, I had to figure out why the fuck I was getting hurt all the time, mm-hmm. um, and I mean it, it came down to volume. Uh, Shiko killed me; it threw me into the ground, and it kept me there for two years. Um, mm-hmm. And
0: uh, as it does to basically yeah. everyone, yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so it's it, there was there was the drive to just make my training more efficient for me, and I'm not saying that Shiko doesn't work because there are some these an incredible coach there's no doubt about that Um, but it it didn't work for me and maybe i was doing something wrong i'm sure if if that genius could come and coach me himself he could figure something out
0: Um, well i mean that that programming too it's funny because it seems like the people that because obviously Shaco is a fucking uh brilliant person in his own right Mm -hmm. and he's obviously produced some fucking ridiculous lifters but um it seems that the people that are drawn to like a Shaco program are like skinny natty kids. And it's like, Hey man, uh, you know, when you look at like the Bulgarians and and everything else that the people that came out of Russia, it's like, you're dealing with, first of all, a huge group of people. Um, and, they're not going to write about the guys that get overtrained and can't get out of bed anymore. Yeah, yeah. They're going to write about the guys who are, you know, the freak stud athletes that could basically do anything, um and if you can handle that amount of volume, you're going to be, you know, if you can recover from it, you're going to get strong as fuck. Yeah. But most people like yourself as you're saying is like it's too much. You know, like it's just fucking too much. So what how did you find uh the conjugate stuff?
1: Um i mean i think at a certain point if you're powerlifting long enough there's no way you're not going to hear about west side right um so that that's it's just piqued my interest i mean there's i don't know how many videos there are of guys from years ago lifting and there's just metal playing in the background so i was also attracted to that because that's such a huge part of my life um but it it, it sort of just came organically i don't know it that's a weird question. I've ever been asked that before. Ugh.
0: It's weird to pinpoint the moment. You know what I yeah. mean? Cause
1: I, I don't really know the moment either. Like
0: I, for me, it's like, I remember my friend, uh, you know, a dude I played music with was like, yeah, dude, there's this guy, Louis Simmons and, and whatever. And he's like, and I, I looked at like a couple articles and I was like, this twists my brain inside out. Like you I know? can't, this is too crazy to me. So I actually found that, that article at like sciat fitness article that like everyone finds it's like uh kind of a template Mm -hmm. for and i kind of i kind of went off of that um how did you start putting together your own shit did you just buy book of methods or did you try and figure shit out in the gym or what
1: um so i probably spent it wasn't that long i spent 10 minutes looking for the book of methods online and found a download for it Um, sure and I read through that in a, a day or two, um, and then and then you were more confused. I, I was confused at some points, but a lot of it just sort of clicked because what I was doing wrong, it, it was so more evident after reading that. Um, sure. And not that I fully agree with absolutely everything that's in that book, but there's a lot of it where I'm just like, "Well, this makes sense. Why the hell was I not doing this? And why was this not? Why was this? Why is this information not more?" More common, yeah. Right there and, and yeah. now, I now I think it is. But at that time, it just it it wasn't for whatever reason, or maybe I was just looking in the wrong places, or wasn't looking hard enough. But
0: though um, they were trying to make <clears> it like at the time, you know, like h- however many years ago, even three, four years ago, man, like uh, geared powerlifting and conjugate had really kind of I don't I don't want to say it disappeared, but it was definitely not where it is right now. And not where it was in the early 2000s. Like it was kind of like raw had kind of, you know, and CrossFit had kind of like made this sort of shit like obsolete, or not obsolete, but um, like more obscure. Mm-hmm. You know, like my first meet that I went to when I was a raw guy, there was two people in bent shirts. You know, and and now it seems like they are a lot. It's a lot more prevalent. Um, the reason I was asking you about the the methodology and everything is because you put out a lot of information there's not many i mean there's lots of people that put out information but there's not many people um that are consistently putting out like uh pro conjugate info on how to like push the method Mm -hmm. um because something that um something that I've been told in the past and I've had a couple people say to me is like, <clears> you know, if, if conjugate, if the conjugate method is the same in five years, we're not doing our fucking job as yeah. athletes, yeah. as coaches, it should be evolving. Um, so with you, it seems like you do uh, like my stuff is, is much more toned down. You do some of the more like out there movements. I saw, I think today you were doing like a Cambridge bar bench plus bands. Yeah. Um, stuff that's a little, a little more further from the specificity with than what I do currently. Um, how do you know if, if stuff is working for you? Or are you just like one big experiment? Do you have a crew that you, that you work with or, or how's that work? Because some people, it seems like you have a really good, you know, head on your shoulders. You understand stuff, but it's like, some people don't understand that. Like to figure this shit out, you have to fail a bunch mm. because you, you have to be willing to do the wrong thing. Um. So, how do you how do you monitor that in your
1: programming? I I can imagine that you keep pretty strict track of what you do and what you don't do. Yeah. So, I mean, I I take videos of I'd say probably ninety five percent of my my top sets or what I perceive is going to be my top set. Mm -hmm. Um, and I may not come back to a particular max effort exercise for a year and a half, like in the case of that upper body camber bar bench. Um the last time i did that i hit 405 without the bands today i hit 405 with the bands um okay so that's one easy way to know that okay i've gotten stronger from then to now um which should happen it's been about a year and a half since i did that
0: um yeah that's a big jump too like going from no mini bands to doubled mini bands is like you know you've gotten significantly stronger
1: yeah yeah um but I, I generally will look at stuff more on a small scale. So I my my max effort stuff obviously it, it varies week to week. Um, but like I said I I don't often revisit stuff that quickly. So it's not like I'll come back to it every other month or every two months. It may be and usually is four five six months where I won't come back to it. So what I do is I'll, I'll look at much smaller pieces of each lift to make sure that I'm okay. seeing improvement. So if if my For example, if I'm having a really hard time staying tight on the backside on my bench, I will take a a, I'll take horizontal bands coming up from the top and I will make sure that I hammer that either on my dynamic days for a month or so, and then I'll come back and I'll hit maybe a a big cambered bar bench press. And depending on how, how that looks, how tight I can stay, what position I can end up in, then I can sort of gauge, okay, well, the horizontal bands on the bench worked or they didn't. And I need to figure out something else from there.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you kind of look at it like inversely. It's like, uh, there's that like famous video with Dave Tate, where he talks about like, you don't have to figure out how to get your max effort stuff up. It's how you get your like supplemental work up. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if you know, your floor press drives your bench, you have to figure out how to get your floor press up. If you figure out rollbacks, get your fucking floor press up, then rollbacks ultimately will get your bench up. This is going to help your floor press and so on that shit. People get really confused by, um, my question it, like, the interesting part is you've seen a lot of progress. Like I've, I've seen you, you know what I mean? Like squatting a thousand pounds, no fucking joke. We kind of get like numb to it in, mm-hmm. in our culture. Cause it's like, we see so many guys do it, but like squatting a thousand pounds, no fucking joke, pulling close to seven, benching over seven. These are all pretty good numbers and very good numbers. And, uh, and you also have like this, it it's like people would look at that training and say, oh, five, six months, that's kind of hectic. You don't really know. And a lot of people get weighed down by trying to understand the system so much. And the interesting part with you is because a lot of people, I'm just like, hey, man, stop reading and go fucking train. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, I guess my, my question would be like, how, how do you balance that out? Like, how do you, uh, like gauge like how much to learn and this isn't necessarily for me this is more for anybody listening uh because i've i've had people in the past where it's like well they're a dude and they're 140 pounds and their speed work on squats is 135 pounds plus a choked mini and they want to talk to me about how much volume they should be doing for their hamstring curls and it's like i literally told the kid the next time you want to start reading a book about this go outside and start throwing a heavy rock until you're tired yeah (laughs) <laughs> you know what i'm saying because yeah. it's like yeah. you you know what i mean because it's like getting bogged down in, in the um in like the minutiae so for someone like yourself you've been lifting for a long time but it seems like you've really only been head head first into like the conjugate method and like figuring it out for kind of a shorter time how do you not get bogged down in the details do you have like times where you're like fuck this shit dude i'm just gonna do a close grip bench and that's my max effort or is it always more thought out than that
1: uh well there's probably more times than not where I'll walk into the gym and say, fuck it and just roll the dice on <laughs> whatever. yeah um, yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm I am I am lazy. I'm lazy. I am un- unorganized. So if I walk in and there's uh like I, I did four presses last week and I didn't even want to switch the bar out. There's already a squat bar on the rack. So I was like, okay, I'm using this. Um Yeah. It's yeah. just stuff like that. It's the one thing that helps me is just not worrying about it um for my for my own training purposes if i am not getting ready for a meet i will not plan anything because if i if i start planning stuff unless there's a big thing that i really got to worry about like if if i need more back in something i'll throw in back work all week Um, but outside of that i just i won't plan anything till i get to the gym when I get to the gym, I'll sit down five minutes. I will write out exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do exactly that. But uh, but to not get bogged down, I think, is – is it's so important with this because there's so many different facets to the conjugate system that, that if, if you're trying to take everything into account every single time you go into the gym, you're not going to get anything done.
0: Yeah, um, it gets too much. There's too many branches.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you, we know the quote if, if you – uh fail to plan you plan to fail well i i don't really plan that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's
0: definitely like um it's funny man because it seems like the people who work need to worry about that sort of stuff the least worry about it the most Yeah. like well uh rollbacks uh you know in higher volume don't have- and it's like man you bench one plate just keep fucking banging dumbbells and you're going to get stuff to come up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain to someone. It's like, what I say is like, it matters until it doesn't. And it doesn't matter until it does. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, when I bring someone on, cause you know, there's that thing with like online coaching where there's like, you know, templates and everybody's getting the same program and blah, blah, blah. So uh, in one, in one uh, level of the coaching that I have, like it's a large group of people that get the same programming. And what I tell people is it's like, listen, if you're new to conjugate, just the change in stimulus is going to get you strong, mm-hmm. period, the fucking end. So just do exactly what's on the fucking program. Don't overthink it. Basically, everybody needs stronger triceps and stronger hamstrings. So we'll just run that for a while and you're going to get strong. And then we can start tweaking it after a couple of months because it's like, if you haven't been doing this sort of training for quite some time, you don't really know exactly what you need necessarily you know, it's like, it's very confusing for people. Um, and you do a good job. I've watched, you know, your Instagram where you put out, you know, when people have questions and you put out different information, it seems to, uh, it's like, as much as you're saying, you don't have stuff thought out when you put information out, it looks very thought out Mm -hmm. And, and it looks very, um, uh, direct and, and concise. So as far as, not training, not planning stuff on your, uh, off season type thing. Do you find that that helps you be more creative or like, what is, what is the, um, the idea behind that? Is it like, just cause you don't want to fucking deal with it? Or is it because do you think it opens your eyes to different things or how does that work?
1: Um, the big thing was, was just opening my eyes to different things Like you said is, so when I was back in, in Madison, I trained with a, uh, a pretty, large solid group of guys um and we all essentially ran stuff the same way we wouldn't plan anything we would meet at the Perkins right next to the gym we would talk about all the horrible things that we could do in the gym and then we would go do the five rep (laughs) good morning um, yeah (laughs) which I I absolutely hate and I tried to do it this week but it just turned into an Anderson squat um (laughs) as it does sometimes yeah. Every other month, but, somebody would say, let's go do the Mechanical Ox, which is the the, uh, the SSB deadlift out of Iraq. Oh, um, my God. Which at probably the worst lift in the world. A good morning and a deadlift together. I, I can't think of something that I would want to do any less. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But yeah, a lot of it in the offseason was just doing stuff that we all hated. Um, and yep. and it, it, it was good because everybody would intentionally try to pick something that somebody else hated which which i mean it switched on who who won the final vote every week but (laughs) that probably got me the strongest out of anything uh, just hanging around with with that type of of group yeah where it's like they're gonna
0: pick they're like well i know that he has fucking weak low back so it looks like we're doing a fucking three inch deficit pull today because it's gonna piss him off it's gonna be (laughs) doing
1: like eight or nine inch deficit that's
0: yeah, I saw you do some. I know that that stuff really caught on for a while with the big deficits. I know Lou. I was I was training at Westside when Lou started to bring those back into the um into the fold and into yeah. the mix because that's kind of how it goes over there, right? Like stuff will start making people strong, yeah. and so throw it in, and then it stops making people strong, so you throw something else in. Um, usually gets pushed a few months past where it should, but fuck mm-hmm. it. Um, those big deficits. It's funny with those. It's like I think that. In my training and in my clients' training, I found that like anything over like a two or a three inch deficit is so far removed from the actual movement that I don't think it has much carryover. But there's guys like you, and I know of other guys that have pulled big deficits and has have seen a lot of um whether it's like mental fortitude just to do it or <laughs> or if there's actually carryover, you don't really know. Um, but yeah, I think that there's something that's really uh, great about having like that group mentality where it's just like, let's pick the shittiest things possible yeah, you and know. get it all out of the way. Now, as you get closer to a meet, like, let's say, you know, how far out do you start putting
1: together uh, like stuff with a greater level of specificity? Uh, usually about eight weeks, eight weeks is when I'll sit down and I say, okay, well I've got, I've got this much time. I've got these other life events that I got to plan around um I have to get X, Y, and Z taken care of in this time. Um But things don't really get that serious I'd say until five, five weeks out. Um, okay, so do you run like the standard like Circumax phase? So my circumax phase is not the the West Side template one with the bands and whatnot. Um I always felt that because I take so few free squats that I just need a little extra practice as I'm getting closer to a meet. So I'll I'll generally, what I'll do is I'll take a a reverse band free squat um, about six or seven weeks out. Mm -hmm. And then three or four weeks out, I'll take a straight weight squat. And that'll sort of tell me where I can set my opener at. And from there, I just roll the dice. So when you uh,
0: so when you take that the free squat the straight weight free squat, do you take is it like a max or is it like are you taking an opener or is it just like a perceived max for the day or what?
1: I'd say it varies. It's
0: yeah it's, by feel.
1: Yeah, it's it's usually by few, feel. Um, I'm I'm more inclined to say that I, I I will end up at sort of a ball to the wall type max, um, and, and then I, I I call that my. My circa max. I'm getting close to it. I'm going to taper off of that for the next three weeks or so, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully come back above it. And that has pretty much always worked for me. I don't think I I, I have not, um, not hit a PR. I guess doing that. Sure. So until yeah, that stops. Yeah. Until that stops working, I'm I'm going to continue with that.
0: I think that there's uh, yeah. I think that's sort of the trend right now. In, 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 in powerlifting where they're going more towards that uh, take a big free squat type of thing when you're closer to a meet, um, mm-hmm. the the bands to a box, it just gets really convoluted and, and tough because, you know, I let's see, fuck, man. I did uh, seven plates, double dime in just briefs plus blue, green and purple bands to a box. And I went to the meet. Uh, and that was just in training, but in that training cycle. And then I went to the meet and I bombed with 1044, but based on this, the poundage of my circumax, I should have been squatting like mid 11s. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns it, I think that's the sort of thing, like it works until it doesn't, yep. you know what I mean? It's like the stimulus can, or, or, you know, sometimes the juice ain't worth the fucking squeeze. Cause it's like you know, when you have someone like yourself, who's used to doing fucked up movements and you have like this whole off season where you do these fucked up things, it's like, you're probably really good at squatting to a box against a bunch of fucking bands because you, it's like, it ain't shit to you. You pick up something that, but it's like, but what does picking up something that feels like 1200 pounds do for you? Yeah. Nothing. If you're a thousand pound squatter, it's a little too much. And if you fucking aren't perfect, you can blow your shit to pieces. Yeah. So I I think that that's part of, Where people fuck up too is like that shit's fun to ride the tiger for a little bit, but there is an expiration date.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) and that's it's, I'd say the reason that my total has gone up, I mean, it it went up about 400 pounds in a year and a half. Damn. um, Okay. Sick. Is because I just, when I got in the gear, um, I tried to treat it as technical as possible. Because the one the one thing that I don't want to do is is get in the gear and try to manhandle weight because that's not how it's going to work for me. I can't right. throw. I, 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 there's no <laughs> way with with a wide stance that if I throw on my my full suit, knee wraps and whatnot, and stand up with a thousand pounds and try to bomb down into the hole and out that things are going to go well. No, they're, they're going to be <laughs> my ass is going to shoot back. The bar is going to go over my head. Um, yeah, my you're going to get cut, my, cut in half. Your girlfriend's going to freak out in the crowd, um, <laughs> yeah. and I got to deal with that. So, yeah, so every, every time I got in the gear, I, I treated it as, as another learning opportunity, but it just as an opportunity to fine-tune my movements in the gear. So while I, I did get much stronger in that year and a half, two years, um, I also learned how to use the gear way, way better. Um, yeah, so which I, is I, huge. Yeah, that's a huge
0: thing. Uh, I think that uh, that's what I'll tell people too. Sometimes when I'm coaching them, it's like, man, we don't necessarily have to get you much stronger. It's like, you know, for for like I'm a great example, right? So five ten or five fifteen floor press, six twenty two shirted bench. Yeah, it's like it doesn't make any sense, right? So I'm I need to get I don't really need my my fucking raw strength to go up a crazy amount. I need to get better in a bench shirt. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and people kind of miss that aspect because that's the hard part right like that's the hard part of lifting weights in gear you know it's like uh, finding weights that you can recover from but work with in the equipment to get better in the equipment because it's like you can't just be like ah fuck it i'm gonna get in my shirt every week for 10 weeks straight i mean Uh, people do it people people do it but it's like how long do their careers last you know what i mean Yeah. Um, I actually did six weeks straight in a Rage X trying to touch, and I only had one successful touch and press in six weeks. It was a fucking nightmare dude it was it was not a fun uh month and a half
1: um, the, the rage X cut me up more than any of the multi ply shirts that I've had on It's oh, do you have
0: a single ply rage
1: yeah, something about that material just sucks yeah I mean, it's, it, uh... it's great, but it it sucks.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's the same shit that the predators are made out of. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like not forgiving at all. I mean, there's been some fucking monster benches and rages for sure, but um, as far as I'm concerned, like an SDP just feels more like a bench press. It doesn't feel like yeah. a different thing. Yeah. Um, so that sort of like brings me into the next talking about gear and equipment, single apply. So you put out some t-shirts. <laughs> let's fucking talk about it so yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> abolish the usapl yep what uh who hurt your feelings what happened <laughs> who who hurt you like all what all of them, all what, of them. <laughs> what uh what is your direct cuz i have friends that lift in the usapl i have clients that do uh, i've had people on that lift in the ipf uh, I think that some people, I mean, it just depends on your experience, right? Like, I've had, I've never lifted in a USAPL meet, but I've had some pretty shitty experiences at them mm-hmm. um, with lifters and had some pretty fucked up things go on with how my lifters were treated and whatever. Um, what is, what are your gripes, dude? Cause that's a big, that's a, I think a lot of people feel that way, but to put it out there, what's the, uh, what's the story?
1: I mean, it, Probably pretty similar with yours. I I had a, a handful of friends who lifted in the federation, um, and it was just never a fun experience. <laughs> <It's>, I, <laughs> okay. I
0: think,
1: I think. Well, it's where the last USAPL meet I went to. Actually, it was. Uh, I want to say it may have been USAPL uh, Nationals out in Spokane, Washington. Okay. Um. And I just while it wasn't a horrible experience, my, my lifter did not make weight. On his I'm not I'm not gonna take responsibility for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he will listen to this and he will he will own up to it. Um <laughs> like we spent the whole training cycle of me telling him he needs to be a little bit lighter. Or not make the cut, dude. Or not that, make that the cut. Too, Fuck that it. Too. <laughs> I, I don't for even, I don't even I don't know not even know. Yeah, yeah it was it was rough we were we were driving like 70 through the the city there trying to find a, a gym open at like 4 a.m for him to get into a sauna and I'm uh, yeah I'm like this is a rental please don't do this to me and, <laughs> but uh so, so it was a went fun on experience, the meet. but um so we actually didn't stay for the meet I almost got removed at one point because um, I tried to run into a room but I didn't have the right wristband on and then some woman yelled at me and it it was interesting, but it wasn't anything crazy. Um, I just got sure. into it with her about it. Um, but outside of that, it's it's more so the meets that I've been to around in the area up in Wisconsin. Um, and then other people that I've met or seen online and whatnot. And, and the general vibe that I get from the lifters there is the shit doesn't stink. Yep. Um, okay. And I, I. One thing I do not like. One of the many things I do not like about people is if they take themselves too seriously. Um, okay, <laughs> I I I cannot I I can't deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's that. Um, just because someone is drug free doesn't make them any better. That that's a that's a big issue I have with them. Because um, it, it's again they they don't think that what they're doing is 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 wrong in anywhere or whatnot in the edge fu- it's just funny attitudes bother me.
0: <laughs> it's funny, uh it's funny because you're you're straight edged, right? Correct? Yeah, you are yeah. straight edge? Yeah. So so a straight edge dude <laughs> saying that people are assholes for thinking that they're better than others for being drug free is really uh I like that. Cause I used to say this will lead me into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, you know. I used to say, cause I obviously I played in bands with kids who were, who were straight edge and, you know, I fucking love edge bands. Like I, I grew up, you know, in the hardcore community. So it's like, you know, like 50% of the fucking people you knew were straight edge, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I always said like making fun of somebody for not doing drugs is just as lame as making fun of somebody for doing drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like it was mm-hmm. kind of like, I always felt it was just like, whatever, dude do whatever the fuck you're going to do. Um, but it's like, don't be judgmental. Cause it's like, the judgy edge kids were fucking almost worse than the drunk kids. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey man, fucking relax. Like, like it doesn't affect you. So leave it alone. Um, and it kind of goes for the same thing where it's like a drug fee lifter. Uh, you know, they definitely like to put it out there as like a holier than that, not all of them. And I will say, dude, you know, just like disclaimer, I've had some really awesome experiences and, and made some good friends who compete in the IPF and USAPL. Um, and I'm sure there are some areas that it does, it, it, that it's fine and, and whatever, but I have heard a lot of negative things and the whole like natty, fake natty, whatever thing is just like, it's kind of a boring topic when people yeah. start talking, you're like, you're like, Hey man, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, dude, I don't give a shit if you're on drugs or not. It doesn't matter to me. If you lift weights, that's cool by me. Um, So, so yeah. So that leads me to like, so another reason why I wanted to have you on was cuz of like you've got like pretty deep roots in the hardcore and metal scene. And I find the longer that I'm in involved with powerlifting, the more I see like crossover mm-hmm. and a lot of similarities with the hardcore scene. Uh on on many different levels. So, uh you did vocals for No Zodiac? Yes. And did you did you uh like tour or play with um or play in any other like noteworthy hardcore metal bands that people would know?
1: Uh, nothing that anybody would know. Just some smaller stuff. I, I I was, yeah. Cool. That like, dude.
0: (laughs) And for people who don't know, no Zodiac is about as aggressive as it can possibly be, which is, I'm just like imagining people hearing this, not knowing like who you are and then going and listening to that band and not believing that it's you. You know what I mean? yeah. it's it's, like so fucking aggressive. Um, So like, have you found, uh, have you found like, you know, similarities between the two or, um, you know, like how long were you involved in hardcore and metal? Like, and then versus like how long you've been in, in powerlifting, do you, do you find that the two kind
1: of run parallel? Um, yeah, in, in some aspects. So when it comes to, to aggression, um, I think both are wonderful ways to, or, or outlets to yep. release some of that. Um, and I think that's probably the best comparison that I see. Um, they're both just in, incredibly aggressive. And that's something that I, I enjoy while I'm not an aggressive lifter. I'm, I'm very um, internal with what I do. Sure. Um, I, I very much like that aspect. I, I I don't walk up to a bar screaming, but I love it when I see somebody else doing
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> understandable yeah yeah, yeah uh yeah. that's how i feel about that's how i feel about like the floor at a hardcore show now as like an yeah. old dude like i don't necessarily want to dance mm-hmm. but i really like watching other people do it at this point i'm yeah. 30 i'm 34 i'll throw a couple spin kicks and then go sit down at the bar or whatever um it's a little too much for me at this point uh yeah i think that they're, it's cool to see like um it's funny because you know like I would say that I'm basically like retired hardcore kid. You know, it's like, I don't go to shows every weekend. That'll always be a strong part of my life. And I, and, and I'm very grateful for it, but I've kind of like, uh, I'm not like involved in the scene anymore or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's really interesting to see that, like, you know, you, you move from that into powerlifting and it's like, people want to be a part of something.
1: You know what I'm saying? And the
0: same way, the same way that like you could go to a show and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You go to a show and you talk to a couple people and you're like, oh, you're not going to be here in six months. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to bother dealing with you because I know that you're not here for any sort of genuine reason. You're here for some other weirdo fucking thing. Um, And you can see it with lifting too. Like you can, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, you're not, you're gonna be here for one year, and then that's gonna be the end of it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, because it's like you can see, uh, through, you know, if you're here for genuine reasons in in either aspect, you can see, you know, who's gonna stay. It's like first real hardcore show I went to definitely got my ass kicked a little bit and it's like you figure out if you want to be there and it's the same thing when you're like carrying your gym bag out to your car after your first fucking geared meet you're like do i want to do this anymore i feel yeah. like shit right now you know <laughs> so yeah. uh, like what do you think about what do you think about that stuff when it comes to like community have you found similarities with that between the two
1: so i, I want to say that they're without the same positive aspects of of a community are there and i think they are but i also think Mm -hmm. the same negative ones are too um sure and and those were sort of the reason that i stepped away from the scene um yeah because a lot of the issues that i took were were people who preached inclusivity but played the gatekeeper role if somebody showed up to a a hardcore show wearing a ball for my valentine shirt they'd get not necessarily made fun of directly but they would be talked about and that yeah, that stuff yes. never sat right with me, and I don't like that. And it happens in power. It happens in everything. I bet if if you go on a on a forum about building tables somewhere, woodworking, <laughs> I'm sure there are woodworkers online talking shit about yeah. somebody else who whittles whistles.
0: Yeah, wants like, to get into
1: making <laughs> tables. Yeah,
0: yeah. This fucking nerd is using pine. What a loser! uh Yeah, like I, I've seen that with my wife. Is into sewing and and. Um, she's gotten kind of serious about becoming a sewist and, and doing different things. And it's funny cause she'll bring stuff up to me. Cause obviously I don't follow any of those pages. I don't know who these people are, but it's funny. She'll bring up stuff to me where she sees like, you know, some, whoever, some sewist like post something that they made. And then in the comments, people will be like, this is trash. Fuck you. Like, and it's like, y'all are weird. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that it's like throughout that. And I definitely dealt with that in the hardcore scene too. Because it was like uh, it's like you know it's it's inclusive if you are in our group, yeah, yeah, and and I've definitely seen that in powerlifting for sure. Um, I think they get weeded out a little bit more in powerlifting. It's like uh, because the most of the high end, you know, the guys who are in the top guys and girls in the top thirty are pretty easy to get a hold of and generally pretty friendly and open to having conversations with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the mid range. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh and I'm sure it's the same thing with bands, you know what I mean? Like I doubt uh dudes in a very high level band or a you know, a high end band, like you know, I doubt the dudes in Knocked Loose give a fuck what t shirt kids are wearing at their shows, but it's like some opening band will make fun of somebody because they're wearing a Chelsea Grin shirt at a hardcore show. (laughs) It's like y'all got it fucking twisted, you know what I mean? Um, I do think it's interesting, uh, and it's really like, I find myself like thinking about that now as I started making music again, um, thinking about the similarities, uh, negative and positive and just like trying to be the positive end of that, you know, like trying to be the inclusive person. And it seems like you're doing a good job with that too. It seems like you're very, like, you want to put out information and help people, um, have you had a lot of people uh either reach out to you and and help you coming up with learning this stuff or did you reach out to any high level guys did you have uh you know good experiences with people being inclusive in the sport
1: um you know in in person i've had incredible experiences i i don't often reach out online and this probably stems from the hardcore scene um, growing up there, where I didn't always feel comfortable talking yeah. to, to some of the older guys and whatnot. Um, so I, I really learned to just get stuff done on my own. And if sure. I felt that if I was doing anything too wrong, somebody would eventually speak up, whether they did it in a positive or negative way, I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I generally don't concern myself too much with what other people think. So if they're going to criticize what I'm doing, great, that's fine. I appreciate it, even if you did it in a crappy way. Um, Yeah. But anybody that I've met in person has always been wonderful. I can't think of a a single person in a powerlifting community who has been even remotely a dick to me. Um, Yeah,
0: that's that's usually how it goes, right? Like it it, it seems like – that was something I noticed the first time that I went into Westside was like I was, you know, fucking 198 pounds, squatting 700 in full gear – and everyone came over to help spot and that was something I took away from that um that visit you know same thing when you came out it was like a visit like people are helping and it's like don't really give a fuck who you are if you lift weights it's all good and most of the time the higher up the ladder you go the more helpful people are especially in person because yeah. it's like we we've all fucking been there you know what i mean like um and i'm sure now because of that if you had someone walk into your gym and have no clue what the fuck they were doing, mm-hmm. you would probably help them.
1: Yeah, and I generally do speak up. I I still have a hard time offering unsolicited advice, so I will sort of slowly scoop my way over there and maybe make a small <laughs> suggestion and then try to start a conversation. Because um, <laughs> yeah. you, you never know how somebody's going to react to it. I, I don't want to jump in and make them feel wrong right off the bat. I try to use the, the sandwich thing like, okay, well, that looks good. Here's what could change, but here's again what looked good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most, most people want to have, like, you know, if you're a
0: smaller dude, especially, it's like, would love to have a dude your size moving the weights you're moving come over and be like, hey, man, like, I saw that your elbows were fucking tucking way too much or what, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's something, in, again, in person, not so much on the internet, uh, but in person, most people are really receptive and want the coaching. Yeah, because fucking coaching is expensive. You know what I mean. It's like if someone's there going to help you for free, even if you didn't ask for it, it's like it'd kind of be dumb to at least not listen. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I try to learn from everybody. It doesn't matter if they have a bigger total for me than me or a smaller total than me. Like, you know, my fucking my wife is an incredible lifter. Mm -hmm. She lifts you know, half of the weight that I lift, but I'm still going to like ask her what she thinks about certain things. And same thing with some of my training partners, you know, obviously Hoff is fucking on a whole other, he's, he's like in outer space above us, but you know, like as far as the weights he's moving, but it's like, you listen to Hoff and then I'll turn and I'll, you know, ask Kovech, you know, what do you think? You know, and I'll squat him by, you know, a hundred pounds of change. And, and it's like, you can learn from anybody which is like the fun part, right? That's why I like having conversations with different people because uh, you know, the stuff you were saying in this podcast about your, you know uh, being further out from a meet and not really planning stuff like that's something that I'd like to add into my training. You know what I'm saying? So you can like, I like picking up from, from different people. Um, So, Hey, we're closing in on an hour and uh, at the end of the podcast, I like do this thing called coolest thing you've seen on the internet um and uh a lot of people think that the internet is all negative and it's funny coming off of the topic we were just on but a lot of people think it's all negative but it's really there's tons of positive shit and if all you see is negative shit then you're probably following the wrong fucking people and you should change your scope of practice and what you look at um so i like to do a thing called coolest thing you see on the internet this week it doesn't have to be new just new to you um i'll go first and then and then i'll let you go um my thing is uh Misery signals which is this rad band that I fucking love so much I can't remember if you like those guys or not absolutely yeah so they put out that new track and they're putting out a new record and um, which is super cool like you know Jesse's singing with them again it's like fucking so rad but uh I saw his live video today he was talking and it someone had asked him about so they he, they wrote that song about the dude Jordan who died. Um, I forget the name of the song. It's like the year summer ended in June or whatever. And at the end of it, he says um, something, something. uh, And I give it all up for you. And he like mumbles it. And it was actually taken. He actually took that line from a song from the seventies that that Jordan dude used to get like irritated about him playing in the van when they were on tour. And he like put it at the end of the song as, like, an ode, like the song's obviously about him, but like, as, as, like, an ode and like a subtle, like, goofball on him, but also saying, like, I'd give up my whole situation to have another day with you around or whatever. And I thought that that was really cool that he put out such a personal thing. Um, and that he kind of like was smirking when he said it. So there's obviously, you know what I'm saying? There's sort of like, he's like, he's like, you know, George didn't maybe necessarily like that song. You know what I mean? And (laughs) I thought that that was, (laughs) I thought that was really rad to sort of um, humanize him and, and, and make these people like more real. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like the fucking band is everything. So it was just, that was like really cool to me. Um, what, What did you think
1: of the new track? Did you hear it yet? Uh, you know, I think I listened to about half of it as I was walking out the door the other day. It, I didn't hate it. I'll tell you Fuck, that.
0: <laughs> fucking good, man. They they did some really cool stuff. I'm really excited for the record. So, uh, what about you? What's like something cool that you've seen online? Um, can be whatever. Uh, just something positive.
1: Um, you know, I I want to say so. I'm gonna give you one of each. Okay, sure. so The co- Coolest thing I've seen this week is Julius Madd expansion seven hundred for four.
0: God. Damn! What a fucking monster! Yeah,
1: I yeah.
0: was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. That's yeah, a that's a strong boy. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ, man, and and he's got like, it looks like his pinkies are on the rings. Yeah, I don't even know how. <laughs> that, that man was, he's massive. Yeah, but like, yeah, I saw him at the Arnold and was like, Jesus, man, you are wide on all sides. Like yeah. he's just like a refrigerator. Um. <laughs> What a fucking dude, I think I think he'll bench eight raw.
1: I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean fingers fit. crossed, that'd be that'd be
0: insane. I, it's already fucking I mean like when Kennelly is saying you're a crazy bench presser. Yeah. You you're a fucking crazy bench presser. Um so so uh before we head out, uh do you want to give out social media um for people to reach out and follow? Uh like your Instagram, your Facebook or whatever?
1: Um, so I really only run on the, the Instagram, it's just conjugate strong, uh, W I, all one word, no spaces in there. Um, feel free to reach out with any questions. I'm an open book, um, I will practically write a full program for you. Uh, Fuck yeah, because I'm not doing anything right now. Uh, school <laughs> is out, I, I cannot get into the school, I cannot see my kids, so. I need, I need to give information to somebody.
0: <laughs> cool. Fuck yeah. So if you're looking to chat with somebody about training and the nerd stuff, which we fucking love over here, uh, definitely reach out. Dude, I want to thank you for taking your time to uh, to come and chat with me on here. This has been really fun. Yeah, thanks um, for having me on. Fuck yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, all right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions about conjugate stuff, definitely reach out to Connor. Um, if you don't follow him already, definitely follow that page. He puts out cool shit, and uh, and he's covered in tattoos and looks like a badass. So I fuck I fuck with that. Uh, all right, follow me on Instagram. My personal page is AnthonyCW13. Uh, the trigger warning Instagram is trigger underscore warning underscore conjugate for all of your mental Monday T-shirt snapback needs. Uh we got a bunch of new shit in the store right now. Uh if you click on the link and then we are going to reprint. They are already in uh production the Stay Hated American Multiply shirts in three different colors. Um and those as soon as I fucking as soon as they land at my house, they will be in the fucking store, so I will keep you guys posted on that. Thank you guys for listening to uh episode 31, I believe, of the TWC Stay Hated podcast. And as always, you heard it. Stay hated, motherfuckers.